You're listening to The Local Maximum, episode 255. Time to expand your perspective. Welcome to The Local Maximum. Now, here's your host, Max Sklar. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. You have reached another Local Maximum. Uh, today's an exciting day on the internet, isn't it? Well, actually, there are a lot of stories that we could talk we could talk about today. Uh, but uh, today's biggest story that I want to get to is this new product announcement on the um, on the internet. So why don't we read this new product announcement? New ChatGPT AI launches to revolutionary to revolutionize online communication. Introducing ChatGPT, the new artificial intelligence designed to revolutionize online communication. Developed by OpenAI, ChatGPT is a large language model trained on a massive amount of data to produce human-like responses to user input. With ChatGPT, users can engage in natural free-flowing conversation with a digital assistant, whether you need help with a task, want to have a casual conversation, or just want to learn about a particular topic, ChatGPT is here to help. One of the key features of ChatGPT is its ability to generate highly relevant and informative responses to user queries. By leveraging the latest advancements in natural language processing, ChatGPT can provide detailed answers to complex questions and help users learn more about a wide range in topics. The article goes on, but first, Aaron, let's take a guess as to where this article comes from. Oh, I, I, I can't, uh, I can't fairly <laughs> guess because I've already spoiled myself on this one. Uh, but, but this was not actually a published uh, product release from OpenAI. No, no, it is from the. Open. It is from ChatGPT itself when I asked it to write a blurb about ChatGPT for the podcast. Um, and, you know, maybe it's a little longer. There's another three paragraphs it gave me. I don't want to keep reading it. I mean, one person said on Twitter, this is uh, ChatGPT is like having dreams. Everyone wants to share theirs, but, but nobody wants to hear other people's. <laughs> I don't think that's true. I think some of what I see from other people's is fascinating. But... Um, but uh, maybe we don't have to read everything that we got. Uh, but uh, some of it is uh, some of it is quite uh, 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 um, quite quite exciting. I, I think that um, I think that this is the first time in a while that we've seen a a demo uh, on the internet uh, that has captured the imagination. Uh, this much, and this has not come out of nowhere, and we'll 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 talk about that in a in a, in, a, in a little bit. But let me just go through some Twitter reactions, and then and then I'll, I'll get yours. The the two that I thought that were were most um, most uh, kind of summarize. These aren't like you know big accounts, but the but the two uh, Twitter reactions that I think summarize what the Twitterverse is saying is uh, Ihar Manhaniuk, who said ChatGPT is the first technology that sucks you in for days since nothing I can remember really. All the smart people I know have spent the last few days playing with ChatGPT, and the smartest have already started to create new businesses on top of it. Nick Floor at Professor F says, okay, I've been playing more with ChatGPT and coding questions. This technology will revolutionize the teaching of coding. It can even find bugs if you paste your code and ask it to find a bug. I seriously got chills using it. It can function as a TA for Programming 101. Wow. So be- before we dive too far far into this, uh, what, when was this uh, launch actually announced? When, when did it uh, Oh, good question. I think it was very recently. Uh, I, I believe it was within the past week, but I, I don't have the, the dates in front of me. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm pretty but, sure. But so, so yeah. So this has was... been out for for less than seven days at the point of of when we're recording here, um, and yeah. and it looks like uh, it, it may have initially been. Uh, I, I think it was like Friday. To a, yeah, a, a select number of people, but but at this point. Anyone who has a uh, OpenAI account can use it, and uh, anybody can get an OpenAI account. In fact, uh, in in the uh, hour before we started recording, uh, I went and created an account and started playing with it myself. So, so there's very low barrier to entry. It's not like um, some of the uh, kind of AI graphic stuff where you need to have you know access to a, a high powered server, you know, with lots of compute power going on in the background. It's pretty much anybody who can get to a web browser uh, can start playing around with this, which is which is neat. Um, yeah. I, I think one of the, the interesting, uh, and, and I, I don't have the, uh, the tweet in front of me, so I can't, I can't cite who, who said this, but there's, there's been some concern, uh, you know, the, one of the tweets you read was, was saying, well, it can function as a TA for programming one one. Uh, one of the concerns was, yeah, this is really going to up the game for, for cheating on term papers because you can basically, uh, give it a pro- uh, you know, a one or a two sentence prompt and it'll, it'll spit out maybe not a multi-page paper, but it can do a, pretty, pretty decent, uh, you know, uh, length of an essay on, on an exam, uh, response, uh, that's yeah, absolutely. maybe not a plus material, but it's certainly, you know, B plus a minus material. I could have uh, used that some, uh, basically <laughs> anything where I got less than a B plus, which occasionally happened, you know, the, the so. best response I saw to that was from somebody who said, don't worry about it. Uh, someone who was a, a professor said, I, I asked it to create an assignment for me. Uh, and then I asked it to create a grading rubric for me. And then I asked it to write a paper using that assignment. And then I asked it to grade that paper using the grading rubric. So if they're going to cheat on the papers, we'll just cheat on the grading and problem solved. <laughs> so basically it all comes down to prompt writing then. Who wrote the best prompts to yeah, well, the teacher's prompts? And we've prompts. been talking about that. I don't, I don't know if we've talked much about it on the show, but uh, in, in the and, and we've uh, got to get to basically art piece. I, I'm that, worried that that's where the skill comes in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sorry, I was talking over you. The, the computer generated art. It's 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 all about prompts. I think that um, you know we're we're so excited because we're we've been using this over the last day. I think there are a lot of listeners out there who haven't used this yet and don't understand what the fuss is. And and this is one of the few times where I'm saying, go do it. Go get the account and and go see for yourself. Uh, but you could really give this thing prompts, like write an essay that says X, Y, and Z, write a speech, and also like write code that does certain things, um, particularly simple things. I think this is going to really help me if I'm coding in a new language, or even if I'm coding in a language that I've used a lot, like Scala or, or Python or whatever, but there's some some aspect of it I haven't used in a while, and it's like, I don't remember off the top of my head how to do this, and it's like, you know, write some code that does... that. Sorts a uh, write, write some code that like uh, sorts a list uh, in descending order in Python. There, I know there's like a special thing you could put in to make it do descending instead of ascending, but I don't remember exactly what that is. You you put that in and it'll go exactly. And I think that will be improvement over Google when you type it and it usually sends you to Stack Overflow, which usually includes a bunch of wrong answers yeah, and a well, bunch of questions that you're not necessarily looking for. And or so, the hundreds it, of it, other it, websites which. Uh, are just people who've copied the answer from Stack Overflow and are trying to SEO their own website with that. Right, right. And so you could say, yes, OpenAI, uh, uh, this particular product, which is based on GPT-3, which which we've talked about before, and I actually reviewed, um, uh, I listened to the entire episode 134 uh, previously. Uh, and that, Well, I'll get to that in a second. Um, but um, 
this is uh, this is even if it's not always correct, it's a lot faster. I think it's going to be a lot more correct than Google is for these types of things. People have said they've typed in their 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 medical symptoms and got potential diagnoses. People have said that they you know it's good. At, just like we said with Bayesian inference, the most important thing is is generating good hypotheses. This is great at generating hypotheses for answers to questions. Yeah, well, and I think one of the killer features, like like you said, is, is you you've already compared it to Google, uh, is that when Google gives you uh, uh, results that aren't exactly what you're looking for, it can be really difficult to tweak your your search parameters to get it to point at something that's no, not quite that, but but I know what I want, but I I, I don't know how to put it into terms that Google the Google search engine can understand how I want it to modify. And whereas, whereas in here you get a response and you can literally say, okay, yeah, do that. But, uh, you know, for, for example, I asked it to write a, uh, an intro to this, this episode and it came out with a response and, uh, your, your comment was, yeah, that's, that's a little too, uh, too much in the style of NPR. So I, I told it, right. okay, rewrite that intro, uh, but in a style with more energy and less like NPR. Oh, okay. It, well, let's, it came out and it, and it did that. And so I, I think the, the ability to, almost conversationally uh, redirect your, your, the AI or, or you know, whether you're using it for searching or for generating something is, is a killer feature. Uh, so you no longer have to be you know, an I, expert on Boolean search parameters to find what you want through Google. I've been talking about this. I've been talking about this for years. I talked about this. I mean, I don't want to take too much credit, but, but, but no, I, I gave when I talked at the, uh, at the, um, Top Bots conference in, in Austin back in, in 2016. I was talking about Marsbot. Uh, I talked exactly about the conversational nature of search that, that needs to happen, and I'm, I'm so glad they did it. Yeah, and, um, and there was some preliminary was talking, ability for that yeah. in Marsbot. Oh, yeah, yeah, but it wasn't, it was literally, it was hard-coded by me, uh, so, ah. <laughs> it, but it was, it was more of a, uh, yeah, there was no neural net behind it, but it was, it was a good yeah, proof but, of concept. But you certainly had the ability to respond to it and say, yeah, m more of this or less of that, or, you know, how about something a little bit more like this, and it, it was, it was a little bit brittle in that you, you, you move too far outside the parameters of what it's expecting, what right. you kind of hard-coded in there, and it, it gives you a nonsense response, but... Uh, but it did have the ability to to respond to that on the fly, rather than you know Google just spits out your results, and and if you want to search for something else, you got to put a new search parameter in. Exactly, exactly. And so I think this is the first time I think something could eat into Google's market share seriously in in yeah. in well, the I, last decade. I, I they're, I'm, they're I'm certainly reminded... moving in this space, so I, I yeah. would expect them to to incorporate something like this into their search bar as soon as they can. Okay, but. But keep this in mind. So we've been covering this for a while on the show. And the last time we covered GPT-3 was episode 134, which um, I actually would recommend uh, going back to if you're interested, because that was when GPT-3 itself came out. Uh, by the way, this is... So, so this that, tech, that was yeah. over, over two years ago. Right. This was uh, August 2020. Was, so OpenAI is the um, AI company. Um, it was, it's the one, it was founded by Elon Musk, it's run by Sam Altman uh, of Y Combinator. Elon is kind of, um, he sometimes cheerleads it, but he's also upset that like they're for profit now and they're not, and he's worried about, um, you know, he's worried about <laughs> the consequences of what they're doing. Uh, but um, uh, we could talk about that another time. Uh, there, there's so many aspects of this to cover that it's like hard to, um, uh, it's hard to get to everything. But uh, okay, so. This is from OpenAI. OpenAI came out with this GPT-3, which is 
you know, uh, not surprisingly, their third iteration of these large language models in 2020. This version is basically... It's hard to believe it's been that long because it, it, yeah. it still feels new. But I guess they, they keep been... rolling out a new... Uh, offshoot of it, a new right. variant every couple of months, it seems. Right. No, they've been they've been iterating on it, and I think this iteration is not necessarily about making the model better, but about presenting it as a product. This is the mm. attempt to present it as a product, which is really exciting. Um, and by the way, and they're also working on GPT-4, which is coming out, you know, I don't know when, but uh, I think within the next year. Uh, so well, and, each and one, one is has order. to wonder whether... whether they they'll be able to take all of the work they've done with things like like chat gtp chat gtp that's a bit of a tongue twister right. uh, and and just swap in gtp4 under the hood uh and and have it you know seamlessly update or if there are enough fundamental differences in how gtp4 is being uh, generated versus three that 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 will require kind of some major right. redesigns. Now, right. I, so, now look, I I also want to compare this to Google because we talked about Google later in episode one forty nine, and I didn't put the pieces together um, until now of of GPT of of episode of OpenAI versus Google. Google, you know, all of the stories that we've seen out of Google has just been about, um, you know, how, it, how, uh, how much drama there's been, how everyone's calling attention to themselves, the activism, the so-called AI ethics people who are in there uh, trying to essentially muck things up, essentially like just, just complain about things the whole time. It seems like they haven't been building. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm sure they've been building to some extent, but it seems like their organization is is not um, not focused on on building this out as a product, whereas this smaller company, although well funded company, uh, OpenAI, which has been a, which has been at this for seven years, which is really what you have to do in order to to build something like this, um, they've been focused on building and they've been iterating this whole time, and uh, and, and you could see it, you could see well, the results. I, I, right I here. wonder if if that's partially uh, so. So I know there's there's been a lot of concern about you know not weaponizing is is perhaps too strong a term but but how this could be uh taken in a uh unfortunate direction uh if if you know all the training wheels all the guardrails are taken off and it, it's possible that that's part of what's been holding the folks at google back is that they're taking a much more cautious much much slower pro uh, route um, pro of progress on this i think maybe more likely is that they aren't looking for kind of external facing uses when the, whatever they've developed, they want to use internally. And because they've got so much other infrastructure built up, they want to find a way, okay, how do we use this to strengthen the, the Google or the Alphabet brand and, and our internal processes? Whereas uh, OpenAI, they don't have you know, a, a, a cash cow product already that they need to, to strengthen. This, this is their, their primary objective. Um, so, so maybe it's, it's a matter of, uh, you know, the, 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 the big uh, incubator that, that Alphabet may be uh, isn't going to take an idea like this and, and you know, go full steam ahead with it because they've got just too many other irons in the fire. Kind of like, uh, you know, a, a, a Bell Labs or, uh, you know, some of the stuff that came out of like Xerox Park back in the day um, that was truly innovative. But somebody else had to really see it, realize, oh, that's super cool. There's so many things I could do with it and then take it and run with it. The, thinking, for yeah. example... Uh, some of the early graphical interfaces and you know things like the mouse that uh, that Apple and uh, and and Microsoft really pushed uh, in a direction that that you know they they didn't invent it 
uh, and the people who did invent it weren't really looking, they weren't really thinking how to use it in, in the same context. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, are you saying who, who's, um, who is Apple in this situation? Is it, is it Google uh, so, or so is it OpenAI? It, it certainly isn't Google. It, it might be OpenAI. Although, right. uh, well, o- OpenAI is at least being a lot more public about you know what they've discovered, and and they're they're they may not be the ones to to come up with the killer use case and and make you know billions off of it, but they're certainly making a play for that. Whereas uh, I, I, Google isn't, or or if they are, they're doing it in such a stealth way that that we haven't seen evidence of that yet. And they they could still you know surface six. 12, 18 months down the road and have something that blows us all away and completely revolutionizes the market. But, but there's no, uh, no indicator that that's where things are going right now. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. So, uh, uh, and, and especially with, with all of the, uh, internal turmoil at Google and the internal politics that, that we've seen, well, to, uh, to be around fair, this- uh, it's it's tough to judge how much, uh, and I haven't heard much yes, about it's internal tough to turmoil there the, recently. Yeah. Um, I, I know you've you've made the comment in the past that the you've you've heard in, in the news and from uh, you know some some of it was like from recruiters uh, while you were at Foursquare people talking about oh yeah I, I hear things are real bad over there at Foursquare um, when That's when true. that wasn't your perception from the inside so we we want to be cautious about that but but yes there has been uh, drama in the past yeah well I just hear from uh, friends who work at at Google although I haven't spoken to anyone too recently that it's not a place where uh, and this is this has been plaguing a lot of the tech industry recently. Although things are turning around now, and now we have a an age of uh, austerity, and people are going to have to get things done. But like, you know, uh, Google became uh, you know the opposite of what it was 15 years ago. It became the slow lumbering company that. Uh, yeah, I mean, they they really were never be. the the uh, go fast and break things. That wasn't quite their 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 motto. But but for a long time they were kind of nimble and innovative and you could do cool and interesting things there. And, and they've, they have maybe a little bit too much inertia for that now, it seems. Right. Right. So, yeah. So uh, there are certain things that we maybe can get to into the future. First of all, like how these things work, how they're trained. We've obviously, we've gone over it a little bit in in the program in the past. Um, Actually went over it it a little bit in episode 134, although not as much as I would like. The, the end of that episode is kind of cool because I was talking about how to revive New York City after uh, uh, after COVID, which um, is, is still relevant to today. And honestly, the, the stuff that I said the last half of that episode was basically stuff that, that we could just repeat two, three years later. Um, but, uh, but uh, you know, I, I do want to cover a little bit, go into a little bit more depth on, on how it works. Uh, and then, of course, you know all the applications that uh, that that this could entail, which you know we'll see. Uh, I mean, that could be multiple episodes. Uh, we'll we'll talk a little bit about it today. But today, I thought you know since we only have a certain amount of time and we're just getting started on this, and we just got you know we're just new at this. Let's talk about some of our initial experiences of of what we've seen on the platform, and then maybe invite. Uh, the listeners to go on our locals, maximum.locals.com, or you can email us, localmaxradio.gmail.com, and just tell us, you know, what is, what excites you the most about this technology and, and what you've seen uh, it do from some of your prompts. So I want to start with the one that you sent, actually, and you had it, um, you had it direct me and how to introduce the topic 
uh, from the podcast. And, and this is the one where it, we said it was too NPR-like. So why don't I read it? I'll read it in an NPR-like voice. In today's episode, we're going to t- be talking about ChatGPT, a powerful language model developed by OpenAI. Ch- I can't do that voice. I'm sorry, Aaron. <laughs> That's it. I'm, I'm just gonna. I'll, I'll just use my normal voice. And ChatGPT uses machine learning algorithms to generate human-like text and respond to questions in real time. We'll be discussing how ChatGPT works. Blah 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 blah. I'm not going to read the whole thing. There's some key points. Um, okay. And so you wrote. In response, can you rewrite that introduction in a more energetic style, less like NPR? Okay, so you, you wrote that directly, less, less like yep. NPR. Can we see what? Okay. Hey there, and welcome back to the show. Today, we're going to be diving into ChatGPT, the amazing language model created by OpenAI. You see, I already want to read this happier. <laughs> ChatGPT, uh, they really need to rename this because it's uh, ChatGTP is a, is a mouthful. ChatGTP uses machine learning to generate human-like text and answer questions in real time. We're going to talk about how it works, what it can do, and why it's so darn cool. And then, it, and then it explained what it did. Can I read this? It it ends the spe- it ends the the quote that I'm supposed to read, and then it explains to me why I'm reading it. Uh, uh, ChatGPT tells us now. This is the part where it's not telling us to tell you, but it's telling us just for us. Am I, am I getting too meta here? It's telling us <laughs> just to tell us. By using a more energetic and enthusiastic tone, you can make the introduction more engaging and exciting for your audience. You can also consider using more informal language and making references to pop culture or current events to connect with your listeners and make the topic more relatable. <laughs> so it's like giving so you... Uh, th- uh, this reminds example. me of... Uh, there was... And I think it may have come out of OpenAI, but there was a, a, a tool um, a few months back. May, maybe it was even longer than that, but it was it was based off GTP three uh, that uh, could tell you jokes, or or it was you could you could tell it a joke and it would explain the joke and why it was funny. Um, right. And and so that that second part, it's it's like the 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 meta analysis of of the context. Uh, it's yeah. It, 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 it's very similar in, in how that's how that's being done there. Yeah, there was this movie uh, 20 years ago, uh, Robin Williams uh, as a robot called uh, Bicentennial Man. And he definitely had like a, a joke telling mode. And, um, you know, there's there's I actually watch We should go back and watch that movie. It, it, it reminds me of my uh, my four and a half year old will, will sometimes tell a joke. And he's he's like 50 50 hit or miss on whether the joke is actually yeah. funny or not. But he will then go on to explain to you why it's funny and why it's a joke, and and it's it's sometimes more hilarious when the joke wasn't funny at all, and then he explains to me what the what the you know what the pun or the play on words involved there was. Yeah, yeah. I would like to remind the audience that your four year old became the youngest person ever to appear on the podcast at age three days, I believe, uh, back <laughs> because we've been doing the podcast for that long. Uh, that's, so that's a little mind boggling. It is. It is. Um, uh, okay. So, um, uh, so yeah. I mean, I haven't even asked it to do jokes yet. So that's there's so much uh, stuff you can try. Uh, I don't think it will be as good as as Robin Williams in the delivery, but uh, but it it uh, you know I'm 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 sure it can be pretty good. If anything, you know, it's just copying jokes from elsewhere, and a lot of this is copying style prose from elsewhere and mimicking. Which is not, you know, it, it's, it, it, you know, it, it, it's, um, 
it, it, and we, we talked about uh, in those previous episodes about you know what does it mean to understand a concept, and it, it's not going to understand the concepts in the same way that we do, but it's going to understand which concepts are associated which, with which other concepts. It has some kind of knowledge graph. And it's going to construct in its neural net, and yeah. it's going and, to. And it's, and it's got a lot more memory than some of the previous iterations we've seen before, right? Where it it, it it could maybe remember what its previous answer was, but but it can reach back pretty far into your your interaction uh, with with the uh, with the I, I, the bot, the prompt. I, I I don't know what the proper term for it is, but uh, it, it's it's it, it's like you're having an actual conversation with a person, in that they don't immediately wipe their memory banks for, from something you said five minutes ago, um, right? So, so one of the other things I wanted to call out, and, and it's it's been referenced in a lot of the the, uh, the writing I've seen about uh, GTP chat or excuse me chat GTP, uh, is that you can't always trust the answers it's giving you because uh, it 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 will frequently answer in, in what I kind of uh, call dad mode, where uh, when a young child asks their their parent a question, there's there's kind of this uh, expectation that well, dad always knows the answer to everything, even when he doesn't. He's got to come up with a reasonable sounding answer, uh, and it will do that often. That that if it doesn't, and and I, it it will not, it will rarely say, oh, I don't know the answer to that. There's some things it'll say, well, I can't answer that for this reason. Uh, but yeah. it will often come up, it, maybe not often, but it can come up with an answer that seems reasonable, and it will give a, a, a very logical justification for its answer, but but it happens to be wrong. Um, so that that's that's kind of the danger zone there, especially if it, it, it's hard to pinpoint those unless the topic you're asking about is something that you have a high level of familiarity with so that you can spot when it's kind of going off the rails there. Right. And I suspect there'll never be an AI that's always right. Um or, or any intelligence, for well, that matter, unless the universe is way simpler than that, we, that's uh, a huge hurdle we, to overcome. <laughs> I, I'm sure there are people working towards that, but no, but, but I mean, it, it could definitely be a lot more careful. Um, and I yeah. think that's that's going to take a lot of work and a lot of iteration. But they've definitely well, got and, it and over the the. To put that the in context, uh, this is the same caveat you have to take whenever you read anything on the internet, because just because it's right. posted some on the internet and it sounds truthy doesn't mean it's actual facts. Um, and, and I don't know how much of this is that it's drawing from potentially uh, faulty information uh, or if it's just trying to, to bridge gaps in its knowledge by, by connecting pieces and uh, it's maybe doing that in some places where those connections are, are not legitimate. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about some of our initial attempts. So we had, we had it try to brainstorm uh, topics for the show. Uh, we had it... Um, we had it write some code, which is which is really helpful. Honestly, um, you you put yourself out of a job, and then we had it write some <laughs> political speeches, some hypothetical political speeches, uh, in addition to some like science fictiony political speeches. So let's look at um, let's let's start with the first one. Uh, well, you did a lot of this, which write an outline for episodes of the local maximum. So at first, it thought the podcast was only about the concept of the local maximum. So it wrote a bunch of ideas, you know, examples of local maxima in decision-making. Next, Max and Aaron will discuss how the concept of a local maximum can be applied to personal decision-making. Um, come up with a list of topics for the local maximum podcast. Same thing. But then you said, hey, you know, sometimes we talk about other things. Can you include include those things in the list? And, and it, do, it does. It does. Let, let me just, I'm, I'm just 
going through here. There's so many, I can't just like read them all. It would take too long, but you know, the use of math and medical research, discussing the roles of mathematics and medical research, the development of new treatments, therapy. That's a little too vague. I think, um, you know, the impact of technology and society, the mathematics of yeah. artificial oh, intelligence. Oh. But yeah. yeah, like number three on the list here was a future of transportation, examining the role of mathematics in the development of new transportation technologies, such as self-driving cars and electric vehicles. And and that's something that we've at least uh, partially touched on, even if not right. exactly phrasing it that way. Uh, that's that, you know, self-driving I think it was cars hung is up a recurring on... element. Yeah, I think it was hung up on everything had to relate to mathematics specifically. Right, yeah, because I, I, I told that, that we also talk about technology and current events, and so it's, it's still got a heavy yeah. heavy math focus. Exploring how, athlete, the, the exploring how concept. athletes and teams often fall into the trap of settling for a local maximum and how they can overcome this to achieve their goals. <laughs> uh, yeah, really, really interesting. Um, okay, now I think this is really useful for code, like I said before, uh, in terms of like, you know, getting started on a new language. And even if, even if it's giving you code that's, that's wrong, it's not going to be wrong in the way of like, like it'll tell you correct commands uh, that, that you could, like if you ask it to write some C code or if you ask it to write Python that, that sorts a list, it'll actually give you the correct sorting function. And so... Okay, great. Like I could use that. I see how it's done here. I could copy and paste it in my code at least. So I think that is just a really fast way to get things like that done. Um, and uh, and I don't know. Uh, people have reported that they've done some more substantial projects in uh, in uh, Chat G GTP. Uh, so uh, that is that's pretty exciting. I mean, I haven't looked at C in like fifteen years and. Um, I had it write uh, some C code that finds the, uh, what did I ask it to do? Write some C code that writes, that uh, finds the, uh, the, the three largest elements of a list. And I'm like, oh, great. It just gets me right back into C. I know how to do that now. It's some fancy, some fancy ass C it's given me here. It's like <laughs> going to pointers and, um, and uh, wait, let me, let me actually look at this. The top three, the three largest Number yeah, it's 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 doing some weird stuff with like uh, you know size of int and doing a a b search and it, it's uh, it's it's giving me some fancy c but now it's like okay all of a sudden not only maybe I could have done this in c before but now I immediately know some fancy commands in c that I didn't know before just by doing the search and seeing how it did it so I think it's going to be. Uh, a great way to learn a language. I wonder if it does language translation. It might be an interesting way to learn foreign languages as well as computer languages. Uh, but uh, it's um, it's uh, really, really kind of really kind of fascinating in that way. I think I could actually use something like this while coding. Like I think this will actually this is actually useful right out of the box. Yeah, I'm 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 looking forward to seeing if I can uh, use this as as easy mode for some stuff at work in the future. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we've got some political speeches here. I don't know if we want to actually go into all of them, but we did like... Yeah, I'm, I'm a uh, little uh, <laughs> apprehensive about diving too deep into them. We're not going to dive them in, but but we were like, oh, okay, uh, you know, write a political speech of, uh, you know, Joe Biden announcing he's running for re-election. Uh, do a political speech of um, uh, Donald Trump announcing he's, uh, he's running for re-election. Uh, we have... Uh, 
we have like some crazy scenarios, like write a speech for the president who's announcing he's um, deploying nuclear weapons, <laughs> something like that. So uh, yeah, you could have some pretty, you could, you could um, uh, concoct some pretty crazy scenarios and say, write that speech and, and it'll do it. I wrote here one, write a very whiny political speech. And I'm just going to read the uh, I'm just going to read the introduction. My fellow Americans, I come to you today with a heavy heart and a deep sense of frustration and disappointment. For too long, I have been denied the recognition and respect that I deserve. For too long, I have been ignored and overlooked by those in power, but no longer. <laughs> and it goes on. And you know what? Some of these speeches are actually not that bad, to be honest. Um, you know, yeah, it's it's definitely uh, picked up on on the. Uh kind of the cadence and the tone of political speech uh, and, and somehow yeah. lump that into a category. So it's, it's drawing from the right, uh, the right section of the corpus there. Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, exactly. Uh, so, um, and then some of it is a little bit, um, what did I say? It's like a little disconcerting. It's a little bit uncanny Valley because it's like, okay, you could concoct a horrible scenario and have like the president give a speech. And then it's like, it feels um, it feels kind of real and it's like, okay, so there's some horrible stuff happening and they're just making like a speech like this and you're like, I don't know, it's hard to explain. Uh, maybe you can help explain what I'm trying to say better, but it's just, it's, it's a little disconcerting that um, it's almost like you're seeing how the sausage is made, like yeah, it, write a speech, something horrible is happening, write a speech to make it sound not that bad, and then it does it, and you're like, ooh. Especially because uh, all of the political speeches kind of have some some similar tone, similar thread, and so it's, you know, the, the speech saying that, you know, uh, announcing that I'm running for election or the inauguration speech we asked it to write don't sound that different than the speech saying that, you know, I've authorized the use of nuclear weapons against Russia because of uh, their aggression in the Ukraine, and and you don't want those speeches to kind of just sound the same. Uh, they they, they yeah. should be dramatically different, uh, but is is that because uh, it's not uh, <laughs> I love, uh, so, diverse so enough in, the... in its in its in its writing, or is it because our political speeches are all going to kind of sound the same, uh, regardless of what they're talking about? Yeah. So in this nuclear weapons, I understand that this news will be alarming to many of you, but I want to assure you that we have taken every precaution to minimize the risk of further escalation. I'm like, is that very reassuring? <laughs> um, uh, I don't know. Uh, but, um, but some of the things that it puts in there does indicate that it kind of understands what the issues are associated with. I mean, it, you know, not always perfect, but it, it, it kind of it kind of understands what issues are associated with what actions. So that's pretty interesting. So yeah, all right. It's, it, it's it's fascinating to play around with and uh, you can definitely find yourself uh, far far down the the rabbit hole uh, and and having lost several hours just pushing it in different directions and seeing what it spits out. Yeah, yeah, but I think that's well well worthwhile uh, uh, these days um, because this is um, this is something new and this is something that you could actually use to incorporate. Yeah, I, um, I, if if somebody this, hasn't already done it, I'm I'm sure it's just around the corner for someone to uh, to to turn this into like a, a dungeon master for a, for an interactive D and D campaign because um, it it you can give it some very basic prompts and, and requirements and and then it can kind of just keep rolling with stuff. Uh, pun sort of intended there. Um, right. So I, I, I think that, that, you know, kind of 
interactive storytelling would be a a great uh, use case for this this type of tool. All right, yeah, uh, and and there's a lot of use cases coming down the line, and uh, we'll uh, we'll talk about it here on the local maximum. Uh, I think we're going to wrap up for today uh, for uh, on that topic, just because it's it's fascinating. But you know, we're just getting into it, and so let's get into our probability distribution of the week. And now the probability distribution of the week. All right, nice bumper there. Uh, probability distribution of the week. I actually asked uh, ChatGTP um, if uh, if it had uh, any suggestions for probability distribution of the week. Some of them we've done, um, but today I wanted to get to the Poisson distribution. I've been trying to get to this for several weeks, but I wanted specifically for you to be on it because this is kind of an important one. Uh, by the way, um, ChatGPT says examples of the Poisson processes include, well, we'll get to that in a little bit, but actually they gave me good examples because I always have this problem where I can't find very good examples. Uh, but uh, what is the Poisson distribution? So the Poisson distribution is, you know, you're going to get a count of something. So there are events happening left and right, certain types of events. Here's where, here's where I have trouble coming up with an example. One is like you're at a, a road and you're looking at cars going by, or uh, you're looking at how often um, some decay event happens in like a radioactive well, so, material. So uh, the, the one that, that when I was uh, doing some, some pre-work here, the one that uh, the Wikipedia article mentions is how many goals are going to be scored in a soccer game. Okay. I actually don't think that that is... Uh, and that's a, that's a good example of a count, but I don't think that's a good example of Poisson. And I'll give you uh. an example, a reason why example. Uh, so uh, examples of Poisson processes from ChatGTP says some other examples are arrival of customers at a retail store, the occurrence of earthquakes, and the arrival of packets in a computer network. So I, I, what I take issue with that last one because it is my uh, my professional uh, duty is is to make that. Uh, less of a, uh, a, a, a this type of distribution to make it okay. entirely predictable. But that's an edge case. No, okay. No, that's that's good to know. That's good to know. Okay. So um, there's bottom line is you're going to get a count and you don't know what that count is going to be. It could be zero. It could be one. It could be two. And so the Poisson distribution is a distribution over all natural numbers, including zero. Um, and over what could this count be? And so you're counting a certain type of event, like we said, a certain arrival of customer or uh, something happening. And so you have, you have what I think are these three assumptions on how these events occur. First of all, they occur randomly, um, you know, meaning there's not some like, uh, well, I mean, that, 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 that's very vague, but I think more specifically, they occur independently, meaning that each event doesn't care about the timing of other such events, which so, I think a goal in soccer, you're not likely to have a go two goals within like 10 seconds of each other. Um, you know, uh, sorry, yeah, I, 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 well, two, two thoughts on that one for the soccer. I think they phrased it a little bit differently in that, uh, they said that, that I, that was it the, the mean number of goals in a soccer game is like 2.5. Uh, right. And so, the the distribution wasn't necessary. It was it was more if if you're observing a soccer game, how many goals will there be total? Uh, right. That that could than, be 
That could but, actually be a good uh, like like the Poisson distribution might actually fit that very well. And we'll talk about that. But in a when you bit. when when you raise the issue of independence, uh, yeah, that that makes me question earthquakes because earthquakes frequently experience aftershocks, which uh, my yeah. I, I haven't studied the the causes behind earthquakes, but I would assume that 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 makes the aftershock somewhat dependent on the initial quake. Right, um, right. And, so and it's not a push it away from that, but. Right. Maybe if so, we're just looking at, at, at initial quakes and disregarding uh, aftershocks, that, that that still applies. Yeah, yeah. Or, I mean, some of these are just, you know, they're not exactly independent, but they're close enough. Um, and also, it assumes uniformity, uh, um, that these events occur uniformly, meaning that if you look at some period of time, let's say you look at one hour uh, or one minute, and, and you have some distribution of counts that you'll see in that one minute, that means any other minute will have the same distribution. Um, so uh, it, it has an, an equation that is somewhat simple, but kind of complicated to discuss over, uh, over audio. But there's one parameter, and the parameter is lambda. And, and that lambda parameter is essentially the the number of events that you expect to occur per time unit. So for example, uh, let's use, let's use the example of cars passing. Like let's suppose you expect on average, um, 10 or 10.5 cars to pass per minute. Then, um, then Lambda will be 10.5. Um, and then that means not every minute is going to, well, Every minute can't have 10.5, but that doesn't mean some minutes will have 10, some minutes will have 11, but maybe just by randomness, some minutes will have five, some minutes will have 30, some minutes will have... Now, probably there won't be a minute that has 100. That'll probably be a very low probability in this case right, because that's, it's, that's it's way uniform. Out in the tail. Right, right. But, uh, but, uh, but it, 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 it's going to be somewhere around there. Uh, so the, the formula is if K is the number of cars or the, the, the number, the, the K is your count, the probability of seeing the count K under condition lambda is lambda to the power of K times e to the minus lambda over K factorial. Uh, and that is derivable. It actually can also be thought of as the limit of um, what I like to call uh, Boolean buckets. So you know, let's suppose that, um, let's suppose that y you want to have something that has... Uh, has a uh, uh, probability uh, probability one, like you know. Let's suppose lambda is one, right? And I have a pick a time unit. Let's say an hour. Okay, I think this this thing's going to occur once an hour, right? Yep. Well, okay. You know, this is in a Poisson distribution, but let's say I have something where it's like it's Boolean. It might occur. It'll either occur zero or one time in the first half hour, and it'll either occur zero or one time in the second half hour. And on average, it'll occur once. Now, of course, maybe it can occur more times than one in each half hour. So you're like, okay, let's break it down further. Maybe let's break it down into 15-minute chunks. There, there are four chunks now. And so each of the four chunks is, um, is, uh, is a Boolean, except now, uh, instead, of, uh, instead of having a 50-50 chance of one in each, each bucket, it has only a 25% chance of occurrence in each bucket. And then you could divide that uh, now, further now by, and further. By dividing that further, are we... So so in the initial case where we have two 30-minute buckets and we say it can either happen or not happen. Right, 50-50. So we're, we're saying that there's there's 
our, our, our possible outcomes are, are it doesn't happen at all. It happens once right. or it happens right. in both 30 minutes. So it happens a total of two times in the hour. Right. If we break right. it into four 15 minute blocks, each with a 25% chance of it occurring. Are our possible outcomes now, it happens one, two, three, or four times within the yeah, hour? Yeah, or zero. Yeah. Okay. So, oh, sorry. Yeah. There's also the zero case. So by subdividing it, we're actually uh, increasing the, the range of possible occurrences. Is that? Yes. But we're keeping constant the number of- The average of expected The outcome. average. The yeah. average. Yes. So let's say you divide it into a hundred pieces- then in each tiny slice of time, or a thousand pieces, in each tiny slice of time, uh, zero is very likely, one is very unlikely, um, but when you add it all together, you still have the same average. And so if you kind of take that limit, like, you know, calculus style, then you get that Poisson, uh, that Poisson formula, that Poisson distribution. Yeah, so, so the other example that, that was, was mentioned was things like 100-year storms, which uh, they mm. have... They have a lambda of once for a unit of time of 100 years. Um, right. And, and you can apply the, the Poisson distribution to that for, uh, you know, what, what's the likelihood that you'll see, you know, 200-year storms in a 100-year period or, or three or four, um, which uh, right. is perhaps very relevant when we're talking about uh, extreme weather events, which appeared or, or at least have been reported in some contexts to be increasing in frequency. Is what, what is the likelihood of that occurring uh, Without a, a dramatic change in the underlying factors, you know, is it is there a, an actual change in weather systems, or is this just that we're kind of off the uh, the center mark in the likelihood of this occurring, but it's still within a reasonable spectrum? Yeah, uh, exactly. I think that's a good. I think that's a good way to think about it. Hundred year storm, I, I, and I also think if if you look at the the uh, the 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 case with. Uh, yeah, with with uh, a a lambda of one uh, over a hundred year period, the chances of it of of none of, of zero occurrences and the chance of one occurrence are are equal, um, and and then you know that it it starts to drop off dramatically when you start looking at two or three or four of them. Yeah, so and I also want to um, point out that like um, you can kind of change the time period to adjust the lambda. So like. Uh, you could think of a hundred year storm as having a lambda of one over a 100 year time period, or you could think of it as having a lambda of one over a hundred in a one year time period. Right. So it's almost, it's the same distribution just over different, different time scales, uh, which is, which is why this one is so simple. It's like, you know, uh, like normal distributions have like standard deviation and mean, this just has one parameter. Um, and interestingly enough, you know, the mean, is lambda itself, and the standard deviation is also lambda uh, in, in this case. So it's, it's one interesting way to, th one really cool thing about this, uh, about, this, um, uh, about this distribution, and it's also easy to estimate from data. So if you uh, look at, um, if you count events over a certain period of time, you can begin to estimate um, actually, there's a kind of a you could use Bayesian inference to estimate it using the gamma distribution, which is a little more advanced. We'll talk about that later. But you could start to estimate it pretty quickly um, based on you know, a first estimate is just count the number of events over the time you observed. Um, so, so if 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 we're trying to determine whether a a particular set of behaviors or or parameters uh, is is a good candidate for the Poisson distribution, again, it's it's does it fit that criteria of it's a randomly occurring event, uh, 
the the occurrences of the event are independent of each other, uh, and the the likelihood of, of the event occurring at any given point in time is is more or less uniform. Is is that right? Is, yeah. is there anything else that we can use as kind of a, a shortcut for determining if this is a, a good or a bad use case for Poisson? Well, well, I, I think you could actually use Poisson uh, in more complicated cases uh, in order to as as kind of like a first estimate. So let's give an example of. Um, of the, the cars on the road, right? Yep. Um, now, any given road, just think of like a busy street in your town. Um, the hour at, um, you know, 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. is going to have a much higher rate than the hour of 4 a.m. to 5 a.m. It's not sure. just that, it's not just random, it's not same lambda, but randomness. It's literally a different rate. And so I think what you could think of um, you could think of kind of a broader distribution where, you know, instead of having a constant lambda over time, you actually have a lambda that is changing over the course of the day, Ooh. and then you're having events come in. Now, that's no longer Poisson, so, but it's so like it's, lambda it's locally, is no longer a fixed value, but lambda is right. some sort of function. Right. Is, and so is, then is you could say. Is there a name for, for that when you're plugging a function into, into lambda instead of. Uh, no, I, I, I mean, maybe there is. I actually don't know. I would just call it like it's locally Poisson. Um, and maybe you could bucket by hour and assume each hour is Poisson. And, may, you know, I, 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 there's so many different, like as, a, uh, as, as someone who's modeling the world, there are so many different things you could do with this that are, that are kind of interesting. Um, well, yeah, or you could, I mean, you, you could certainly make an argument that... You could uh, model it as some periodic function, like some kind of a, you know, you, you can have it like be a... You could have it be, um, if you do it every hour, it's like a bucketed function that's, uh, that's a step function where lambda is constant but change every hour. Or you could probably also model it as some kind of a periodic function where lambda is, is changing over time and some smooth and the and the and the events come in and that's more that's probably more common in the real world yeah i was to say you 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 could make an argument that that the uh, the case of cars driving by you know an observation point uh satisfies none of the criteria for poisson if you if you uh make your bounds wide enough so if you're if we're looking at a 24 hour period well then it's it's not random because there, you know, people are going to be traveling at. You know, there's rush hour, uh, so so the distribution right. is going to be following some function there, and it's not independent because people are going to be adjusting their travel patterns based on when they expect the traffic to be the highest, and it's certainly not uniform. Uh, but if we slice, if we take a smaller view on that and then slice that up into small chunks, we could perhaps say that that yeah, Poisson applies uh, to you know within the rush hour window, uh, or uh, you know depending on how we slice it. So that's that's. That's an interesting yeah. way of thinking that that we may not be able to apply it to to the bigger picture, but we may be able to slice it small if we slice it small enough, or or go in the completely opposite direction. Uh, we might not be able to meaningfully apply that to you know the likelihood of a of a hundred year flood uh, tomorrow, uh, but we can if we're looking at a period over several years. Yeah, and now it's a flood, not a storm. Uh, yeah. But uh, I mean. That hundred year flood is also, uh, um, you know, we're, we're kind of using Poisson distribution as an ideal where really it's more like Boolean buckets because you can't have two hundred year floods in the same day. Uh, I don't, you know, and uh, if you, uh, it, it's almost either, yep, it's flooded or no, it's flooded. I, I'm not going to call you up. You wouldn't believe this, but uh, I have two floods going on in my house right now. <laughs> you know, that, that's not, uh, that's, uh, that's not going to happen. Um, 
Or, I mean, I guess I could say two rivers are overflowing nearby, but those would be highly uh, correlated, I would think. Uh, but yeah, but I think like the normal distribution, nothing is exactly it, but it's a good, uh, it's a good building block and it's a good assumption as, as if you know when to deploy it, it's a good, um, you know, it, it, it's a good first approximation or even final approximation in certain circumstances. Okay, so I'm 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 going to definitely keep this one in my back pocket for the next time I'm making yeah. a prediction on. Uh, on You're sold. Because it you're seems sold like on Poisson. That that's an area where it could be particularly useful. Yeah, yeah, I I, I agree. I, I agree as well. I'm trying to think of an example of where in Metaculus the Poisson distribution would be useful. And just wait, have you ever done a, a gamma Poisson? We don't have time to get into that. That's got to be another I, one. I have not, and and, oh. and I need to refresh myself on 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 gamma before I could. Uh, okay. Visualize that, but uh, for for another day. Yeah, yeah, those are fantastic. Uh, yeah, this is this is why we're doing this because this is a really a really important building block. In some ways, I think it's uh, it's as important as uh, as the normal distribution because this applies to counts, which are mm. which is really common, um, which is just as common as uh, as like you know the the real number type data that you get in the normal distribution. Well, so. so uh, so can you put and, in and we a, don't even teach a non-integer value for K? Um, oh, yeah. I know oh, no, not K. No. Because uh, no. okay, I know we were saying in the, in the example of like counting cars that, you know, if, if, the, if, if Lambda is 10.5, well, we, we, can't, we can't get a, a, a 10 and a half car yeah. coming by. So, so K has to be an integer. Uh, right, but, right. But Lambda can be uh, any natural number. Uh, well, no, any positive real number. Okay. Um, including zero. Uh, so yeah, it, it could be, uh, 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 yeah. So Lambda can be, you can have you know, on average 10.5 10. cars What does a Lambda zero mean? Uh, that just means the event never occurs. Okay. So that would mean a hundred percent chance that K is zero and every other K has a zero percent chance. That, that becomes very boring. Yeah, yeah, uh, but but still good to know. Uh, but you could certainly have very small lambda. Uh, sure. So, and then then it becomes interesting again. Um, all right, so that's a good one. Uh, I hope we've sold people on Poisson. I hope I, uh, because I think it's uh, I I think it's I, I don't know why we teach normal in I think high school, but we don't really teach Poisson. But I think in some ways Poisson is more interesting. I, I could be wrong about this, but maybe it requires a little bit it, more calculus it to French. get. It's exotic and foreign. Yeah, I mean that's just the you know that's just the um, that's the mathematician that came up with it, Poisson. So, uh, but uh, well, look, I mean the normal is actually called the Gaussian. So <laughs> that's uh, uh, what is that German? I, I so, believe so. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a so, Carl, um, Carl Friedrich Gauss. Yeah, uh, exactly. Well, is, is that the same Gauss who's? Uh, uh, involved in electromagnetism, I is, is, would assume, or, or is this I, a scenario like Bernoulli, where there are like twelve different Bernoullis who all did amazing things in various fields? Nope, nope. He did electromagnetism. Okay, yeah. I, I actually, I'm surprised because I know him more for his mathematical stuff, but I, I guess he, I guess he did everything. It, it was the age of polymaths. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, for sure, for sure. All right, let us know what you think. Localmaxradio uh, at gmail.com, localmaxradio.com for the website, and maximum.locals.com 
to join our community. Aaron, any last words today? Any I'm, last any last thoughts? Not any last words. You're not being executed. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I am very much looking forward to seeing what what our listeners uh, come up with and, and send us from playing around with uh, Chat GTP or G. Oh gosh, Chat GPT. That's that's a real tongue twister. Um, but is it yeah, G- I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, is it GP? I'm, it's GPT. Okay. I, at least I, that's I, what I see pasted oh, in our in our yes, notes here. You're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> I'm 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 looking forward to that. So. Uh, you know, post post that stuff to the locals where, where we'll be watching. All right, all right, thank you, uh, excellent. All right, great. Have a great week, everyone. That's the show. To support the local maximum, sign up for exclusive content and our online community at maximum.locals.com. The local maximum is available wherever podcasts are found. If you want to keep up, remember to subscribe on your podcast app. Also, check out the website with show notes and additional materials at localmaxradio.com. If you want to contact me, the host, send an email to localmaxradio at gmail.com. Have a great week. Feel the power.